G'day, and welcome to A Quiet Word, Conversations About Men's Health. My name's Henry Rennie, and today I'm going to talk to you about PTSD, Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder. Hear a bit about it these days, it's become a bit of a, almost a buzzword, which is a bit of a worry. I've got friends of mine who are sufferers. I've seen the damage it can do firsthand, and it's not only the victim who suffers. So I want to, in this podcast, start having a little bit of a look at what PTSD is, who it can affect, and how it can affect them. Let's start by acknowledging that it's not the same for everybody. There are some people in the community who still don't even acknowledge its existence, And for other people, it's an excuse to be a wimp or to be antisocial. And it is an excuse for some people. It becomes an excuse for bad behaviour or for being moroseness. Oh, it's the PTSD that does this. It's not my fault. Those people make it a hell of a lot harder for those who genuinely are suffering and who want to make something better of their lives. Like I said, it's it's not the same for everybody. It's a funny thing. There's, I've read an estimate that 70% of the population suffer some sort of major trauma in their lives. It's probably more, quite frankly. But only 10% of those people wind up being diagnosed with PTSD. There's a lot of suggestions and thoughts and theories as to why that is. I'm not going to go into them now. That's maybe that's a a topic for another for another podcast. I want to at the moment just look at things from a shall we say a bit of a higher level. One thing about PTSD that's important is that you can't just make it go away. I don't believe it's curable by anything short of a lobotomy that takes away that part of your brain that stores the memory. And there's a good physical, mechanical reason for that. Every time a memory is relived, there is another layer of stuff called myelin, which is the white matter in your brain that gets, let's say, overlaid on the grey matter in your brain And that's the stuff that actually holds the memories. So every time you relive that memory, it gets reinforced and physically protected. If you can't cure the disorder, any disorder, you've got to learn to deal with the symptoms. You can't cure losing a limb, but you can get a prosthesis so that you can walk again. Some forms of blindness are irreparable. So we have Braille and guide dogs and other interventions to enable life to continue productively if you choose to use them. It's a workaround of an unchangeable situation so you can continue to function. It's the same with PTSD. One day technology might improve enough to regrow limbs and rewire brains. Until we do, the thing is to learn how to deal with it and find ways to live productively. I want to explore that in future podcasts. 
With your help, I want to hear from those of you who live with it or live with someone who lives with it. I liked a line that I read recently. Um, you may have PTSD, but it doesn't have to have you. That's true of so many conditions, unfortunately. But yeah, um, as I say, it's it's different for, for different people. Two people can experience the same event, but because they're different individuals, the experience is different for each. If person A is traumatised and person B isn't, that doesn't make mean that A is weak and that B is insensitive. It just means they're different, that's all. For one thing, each of them brings their own baggage before that event happened. It, it doesn't happen in isolation. Look, there are people out there who've suffered child abuse. Some of them suffer from PTSD as a result, but not all of them. Now, I can't quote reliable statistics at you. I don't think anyone can, because we can be absolutely sure that there's a hell of a lot of unreported cases of abuse out there. So whatever numbers you hear are going to be rubbery. Furthermore, there's a lot of people who not only don't report their child abuse, but they don't report their PTSD, or they might not even recognise they have it. Certainly some abuse victims develop it. Some do but don't recognise it. And some just have different ways of processing the event or events. They genuinely aren't stressed by it. That doesn't make anything, doesn't make the people who suffer wrong or bad or weak. They have a problem. They have an, an issue. I think a person suffering from PTSD rather lives inside a multi-layered bubble of isolation. This is, this is what I've gotten from talking to quite a few people who have the condition and who live with it. Some of that bubble is self-imposed and some of it is externally imposed. By that I mean the reactions of other people, friends, family, the outside world, people who don't know how to interact or communicate safely, com comfortably, diplomatically, so they don't. They withdraw. Rather than say the wrong thing, they say nothing at all, and that just increases the sense of isolation. One big problem here is that breaking that bubble can only happen from the inside out. Outsiders can't reach in and pull you out. That doesn't work. When they try to do so, it feels like poking at an open wound. Conversely, though, for the sufferer, for the person inside that isolation bubble, the value of other people is just in their being there to be reached out to and reached for. This is an appallingly hard thing for a would-be carer who has the impulse to do something to help. A lot of blokes are like this. We're, we want to do things to help. Now, we want to be active about it. But in this case, helping is sometimes not a doing thing. It's just being there. 
the most helpful things are to wait until you're reached for and then to listen when you're asked to listen. Keep the conversation normal. PTSD sufferers don't feel like they're normal anymore. So you can be reassuring without saying reassuring things. Talk about the stuff you always talk about or that you talk to other mates about. The weather, the footy, cars, the price of beer. In doing that, if that sufferer gets to the point of talking about their trauma or the feelings from that place of normality, then that, that, my friend, is helping. That carer, that confidant, doesn't always have to be the same person. It's probably better if it's not. That role puts a hell of a lot of strain on a relationship, no matter how good the marriage or the friendship. One girl I know, on her worst eight or nine occasions, when she felt really at the bottom, has reached out to eight or nine different people. They were the right person at the right time. They were in that right place at the time, or they had some understanding of the particular thing that had been the trigger for that episode. They didn't become her eight best friends, but at those moments, they were each the right person. The last thought I will leave you with is that one of the great mythologies around PTSD is that it's only something that affects people in uniform. That's crap. Certainly there's a very high incidence of the condition in soldiers and service personnel and police personnel because the nature of their work is that they're exposed to trauma. Ambulance personnel is another one. But bad things happen to good people all the time. One of the worst PTSD cases I know in my own experience happens to a bus driver. He was assaulted at work and he was left with a a really, really bad case of PTSD. And there are plenty of other scenarios that can trigger it. So please, if you're in a position, in a situation where you're having recurrent flashbacks of whatever the event was or the events, plural, and somehow you've got the notion that, oh, well, it can't be PTSD because that only happens during wars. Please, please, please get rid of that thought because it's eminently possible that PTSD is what you're suffering from. And if that's the case, look for help. Look for professional help and look for the help of your friends and your family and the people who care about you because they're the ones who are going to be able to do the most good when you're willing to let them. Thanks, everyone. If you want to talk to me more about this, you can reach me through my Facebook page, Men's Health, The Quiet Word. Look forward to hearing from you. If you don't want to make it public, find the Facebook page and send me a private message. All conversations will be kept absolutely as private as you want them. Thanks, everyone. Have a good week. I'll talk to you soon.